problem if you want to wear a mask. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with social distancing. I just have a problem when we shut down the, the economy and we hurt people's lives as a result of it. Amen. I, have a, I may have a problem with that. That's not loving your neighbor. That's not doing unto others as you would want done unto you. And so, uh, you know, they say after Black Friday is supposed to be Small Business Saturday. We're supposed to support these small businesses, and 11,000 of them are already gone under, and so many of them in the restaurant businesses are suffering. So we got to pray for our nation. we got to pray for our leaders. we got to pray for health. we got to pray for wisdom. Amen? And so stay strong, saints. Stay strong in the Word. And that's why I want to encourage you today in the book of Mark. Would you turn there with me, please, to the book of Mark. It's online. I believe it's Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to learn today about the seed. Somebody say the seed. Thank you. The seed is important, and especially times like this, we have to receive the seed. Everybody say receive the seed. Amen. Brother, can you put the reference up there so they can see it, please? Thank you. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. How many can relate to a lake shore? Can anybody relate to a lake shore? How many of you know you live in Chicago next to a lake and there is a shore? Everybody's hands should have went up, okay? How many can relate to a lake shore? Help me this morning. Thank you. So Jesus was preaching at the lake shore, and that's a great place to preach, right? That's great scenery, beautiful, you know, it's great to be out there. And it got to be so crowded that the people kept getting closer and closer to him, and he's backing up, backing up, saying, guys, I have nowhere else to go. And then he just jumps on Peter's boat and kind of floats out a little bit, and everybody can see him. This is our Jesus. I love that he was a man of the people that he was where the people were at. He wasn't afraid to intermingle with the people. And so today, let us just take a lesson within the lesson to always be willing to go where the people are at. Yesterday, by God's grace, I was able to lead Edwin to the Lord. Let's give it up for a young man named Edwin who accepted Christ. Amen. And I pray that he comes to church. He reminded me of one of the sons that uh, Rosa has, who comes to our second service, Armando Rosa, as she's known around here, has two sons around that same age, mid-20s. But this gentleman's mother had passed away. But she raised him as a Christian. And I always like to ask people, what kind of Christian? The Catholic kind or the raise your hands and clap kind, you know? And uh, I just try, I always give them two options. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other kinds, don't get me wrong. But he was like, oh, the raise your hand, clap in church kind. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, she taught you about Jesus and all of that? And he said, yeah. And we began to, uh, Sadia and I, we began to preach the simple message about being born again. And by the end of the conversation, he said, I want to be born again. And then we realized that his mother had passed away this entire time. I only knew that his mother raised him a Christian. And so at the end, I realized, because I said, go and tell your mom now that you've accepted Christ, because I'm sure she's been praying for you. And then the tears welled up in his eyes, and he told us his mother had passed away. And I said, this is something that is important for us to remember, that the prayers of the saints while on earth last beyond their lifetime. Sometimes we think of the prayer in the saints, of the prayer of the saints in heaven is what we need to currently ask them to do for us. That's not true. We ask each other on earth. The Bible says if any two on earth agree, 
then he'll do it, okay? So once they're in heaven, they're in a realm that is beyond our, our ability to ask them to pray for us. I mean, if we can ask them to pray for us, we could also ask them to come and clean our house and to come do a whole lot of other things. And, you know, why does it stop at prayer? If they can pray for us, why can't they come and do a lot of other things for us? It becomes kind of like having Casper the ghost as your, your neighborhood friend or your neighborhood saint, right? And some people take it that far. When you lose something, go ask St. Anthony, you know, St. Anthony. I got to say it the Italian way, St. Anthony. Oh, you lost something. Ask St. Anthony. He'll help you find it. So St. Anthony now is living somewhere in your house as a spirit, and whenever you lose your set of keys, he's like over here going, oh, I'm going to get them for them. Oh, and put them right here for you. Thanks, St. Anthony. Okay. Well, I, I tease, but there's a little bit of truth in there, isn't there? So I said to him, I, I don't know exactly what's going on in heaven with your mother and how much she knows, but I can say this. The prayers of the saints on earth don't have an expiration date. I believe these prayers were being answered right there because I believe as a Christian mom, she was praying for her son. She was praying, and God is still here. How many know God is still here? So even though she's in God's presence, God is still here working on the earth. Well, I say all of that to remind us that we have to go out and be among the people. Edwin probably would never have walked into this church building unless I went out and walked up to him. I never would have encountered him, in other words, unless I went to him. Jesus went to the people. Let us never take that for granted. As a matter of fact, if you wonder what people do in doctoral studies when they study the Bible, like you might just wonder, like, what do we do? Do we learn the secrets of the scriptures? Do we decipher it by the numerology, you know? Do we count the letters of the Greek and then divide them by four and then find hidden messages. No, what we do is we do the mundane work that most people don't want to take the time to do, and we do that we offer to the body of Christ. So one of the things that I did by God's grace in my doctoral studies is I went through every single account of Jesus in all four Gospels and put where he was. Was Jesus either in this, uh, you know, was Jesus in the synagogue in a religious setting? Was Jesus out on the streets or was Jesus in someone's home? And then the fourth one was, it just starts with Jesus talking. We don't really know where he is at. Does everybody get those four categories? So in the temple, on the streets, in people's homes, or we don't know. Leaving out the we don't know, that was only a few times. Where do you think Jesus was the most? In the temple, on the streets, or in people's homes when he was teaching? On the streets. And where are we most of the time? And you said on the streets, but don't lie in church. Most of the time, where do we find ourselves as, as Christians? And, and if you are on the streets mostly, then God bless you. But let's just be honest. We're probably in a church building more often than not, aren't we? And we need to change that. That's why when people ask me, they say, Joe, you know, can, can you do more services? Can you do more service? I'm, I'm always humbled by that compliment because I know God gave me a gift to preach and to teach. And we try to make those resources available and to keep them going. And I'm actually thinking about doing some more things online throughout the week, different, different teaching videos and things. And as a matter of fact, I'm helping someone on YouTube right now do a, uh, uh, an extended series on the black Hebrew Israelites. He has over 60,000 YouTube subscribers, and he talks about the end times. It's called Signs and Wonders. Just spell it out, Signs and Wonders. And he 
asked me to come on and do a debate for another subject, but when he, he saw me do that debate, he said, hey, I would like to have you come on because I have a lot of these black Hebrew Israelites, and if you don't know who they are, they're African Americans who think they're the true Jews, and they get pretty angry at the white man. So uh, I am always called the devil. I'm used to this by now. I'm continually told that I'm Esau and Edomite, the arch enemy of the Jewish people. Yes, so laugh, sister. It's okay to laugh in church and laugh at the pastor. But I know it's funny that I subject myself to this, but people are being reached. Well, well, long story short, I'm looking to do more things online and these kinds of things, and that's amazing, and you can do all of that, but you know what you can't do? You can't replace that with being where the people are. You still have to be where the people are. I can't just seclude myself, even if it was without, you know, if we were not in COVID season, I can't just say, well, here I am. I'm on a Sunday. I'm talking to all the people. No, I have to be where the people are at. And so as a pastor, as much as I'm complimented by people saying, hey, have more services, have more of those things, okay, that's great. As, as, as I'm complimented by that, I want to be on the streets. So this is what I would say to anybody here that's used to a midweek kind of church that the pastor does maybe a Sunday night or then a Wednesday or then a Thursday and all that. Meet me on the streets and do evangelism with me on those days. Amen. Then you'll get to see me preach to others. You'll get to see how I preach and, and lead people to Christ. And out there, they don't call me Pastor Joe. Out there, they don't have really the respect that you may have for me. They walk right by me. They scorn me. But you know what I found is that when I'm out there, I feel closest to Jesus. I feel close to Jesus out here as well in the body of Christ at church. But when we have a, a group of disciples out there preaching and reaching people and a new person comes to Christ, boy, I'll just tell you, there is nothing like it. Well, in my doctoral studies where I found Jesus to be at, I found is the secret to success in ministry, long-lasting success. He wasn't at the synagogues uh, trying to win over the religious people continually. He wasn't trying to compete with the other religious leaders. He was out where the people are at. And so now as he tells this parable that is quite famous for most of us, like we probably already know it by heart. You've probably taught it, many leaders in this church. You've shared it with others. But I want you to understand Every single one of the seeds that are going to be sown is in the public. It's out in the, the public sphere where people are at. It doesn't mean that it can't apply to me sowing the seed into my children's lives and to sowing the seed on my job and where I go. But notice here, the setting is Jesus out in the public sowing the seed of the word. And then now he's going to give a parable about him sowing the seed of the word. Isn't that amazing? That's like deep, man. He's preaching the word, and he gives a parable about preaching the word. Isn't that awesome? You've got to follow Jesus sometimes. He's deep. Verse 2 is going to give us the parabolic language, and I think it's so good that we hear it in its entirety, so I won't interrupt it, and then we'll hear the interpretation, and I believe it will encourage us because I know it's encouraged me in this season. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. All right, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants." so that they did not bear fruit. 
Still other seed fell on good ground. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Somebody say, I'm listening, Jesus. Amen. Say it again. I'm listening, Jesus. Amen. We are listening, Lord. We are listening to what you are talking about. Now, before you sneaky-boo that uh, interpretation there, go on down. Yeah, uh, just yeah, hide it for us, please. Go to the end of the passage without revealing the next passage. Can you do that, please? I believe that if we didn't have the translation here or the interpretation, we wouldn't know. Can you uh, uh, hear what I'm saying? Maybe uh, I'm miscommunicating. Can you go all the way up to where it ends without giving the interpretation? So that would mean you would go up. Yep, yep, and, and now go down. Let me just help you here. Let me help you here. Let me help. Okay, come on. Come on, follow. Follow pastor. Now go down. There you went too far. There you go. There you go. Some people say I'm OCD. No, I just like to be right. This is where I want to be. Thank you, good sir. Let's give it up for Andrew. Doing good. The reason I, I didn't want it to go beyond that is because as a teacher, I don't want you to assume you already know the answer. I don't want you to skip ahead, in other words, because I want you right now to put yourself in the position as if you were there that day. Would you know what Jesus talked about? And if you're here today and you have not heard this parable, do you know what it's talking about? No, and and that's okay. But I want you to understand that that was Jesus's intent. Everybody get this. He's on a boat. He's in the public. He is talking to people, and he just drops this deep nuggy about the kingdom. He's like, this is important. You need to understand this. And then he just talks about a farmer throwing some seed on rocky places, and then a bird comes and eats it, throwing some seed into the cracks, and then it comes up a little bit, and then it gets scorched and killed by the sun, throwing out some over here, and the weeds come, choke it out, and then over here on good ground, and then it bears fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. And what that means is one seed produces 30, 60, 100 times what it once was. Does everybody get that? Now, one seed for an apple tree has 100 apples with six apple seeds in it times, you know, every season. That's a many time multiplication. And that's how God wants to bless us. That's how he shows us in nature. But everybody get this. You just heard this thing from Jesus that he says is real important. And I'm going to tell it to you. Here it is. You ready? And he just told you a story about farming. How many would be a little bit confused at that point? You'd be like, okay. And now what, Jesus? The Son of God, right? That's who you are. You're the Son of God. Aren't you supposed to be telling us about angels? Aren't you supposed to be telling us about what the streets of gold are like up there? Aren't you supposed to be telling us all of these deep and spiritual things? Jesus, you literally just told us what my friend Bob does every day when he goes to sow seed. He's not a good thrower. He doesn't get it in the good ground all the time. He throws it everywhere. It gets on the the, the hard dirt. It gets over here on the cracks. I mean, Jesus, I get it. What's the point? The point is, you don't get the answer unless you follow Jesus and become his disciple. See, most of us miss this in the story, don't we? We think that Jesus right here then tells everybody what it means. He doesn't. He just ends the party. He's like, later, guys. I got to go to the taqueria. I'm hungry. I'm going to go get something to eat. And if you were there that day, what would you think to yourself? Okay, that was fun. Uh, He healed a bunch of people, and he told us a story about farming. 
But what were you supposed to do? Everybody get this. Jesus was not begging for followers. What you were supposed to do was get hungry for the answer. And as he's walking away, and you see Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Thaddeus, and these guys start walking away, and the, the, the women that were following him, as a matter of fact, in the recollection of Luke, he mentions the women that are there as well. You're supposed to watch Jesus walking off into the distance and say, that's not good enough for me. I, I just can't stand here for a little bit by the pretty lakeshore here and listen to this wise man talk for a little bit and just call it a day. I just can't go home like this. I've got to go pursue the answer. I need to go, no, what does that mean? Jesus, I have an ear I want to hear. See, we see that at the end, and we just think, well, Jesus was just being poetic. No, he wasn't. He, he literally ended like that. Okay, here's the parable about the sower of the seed. Whoever has an ear, let him hear. Good night, friends. Have a good day. And as he's walking away, you're supposed to go, man, I got an ear. I want to hear. And so this is what I want to ask you today. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Because if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're not satisfied with just the surface level information. You just don't want to sit in a service and just hear the things you think you already know being confirmed. That's confirmation bias. Well, I believe there's a heaven. Okay, he mentioned heaven in there somewhere. Okay, well, then that settles it. There's a heaven. Okay, I believe you have to be a good person. He mentioned somewhere in his talk, I have to be a good person. Okay, I'll be a good person. And then he mentioned something about a farmer. I don't know much about that. That's not important. Let those other people take care of it. I'll go somewhere else. No, you can't be like that in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you need to take initiative to be a student of Jesus Christ, to go into the deeper things of God, to pursue God, and to say, God, I'm hungry for what you have to give me. I have an ear, and I want to hear. Teach me, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant is here. And so too often, we ask the pastor to do the work for us. Now, it's an amazing job. Don't get me wrong. I love the, the ability to study and then to disseminate and to give what I have studied to you. That is amazing. I would not probably just end it like the way Jesus ended it because I'm assuming you coming here is to be a disciple of Christ, and that means now you want the teaching. You're not just a Christer, amen? You're not just coming on Christmas and Easter. So I would give you that teaching, but I just wonder today if I just said, Vinny, come back up. We're closing it out. Thanks for coming today. I wonder how many of you would go back home this week and pursue God in your own prayer time, in your own prayer closet. Actually go to the rest of the passage and go, what did he say there? What would pastor have shared from this passage that I would know because I got Pastor Jesus here today. What am I supposed to get from this as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Where is the application and where is the work that I now put in by God's grace to please him and to multiply and to be whatever it is at the end of this parable? I can see it by just hearing it and reading it that at the end is where I want to be. I want to be the multiplying seed of God. How many want to be that? Amen. How many would go today if I said, you're dismissed? 
Have a wonderful week. Would go and study it on your own. Don't lie. How many would? I hope that you would. Amen. But you came to church. I'm going to honor you today in your time. Amen. Let's go to where he tells us what it means. Scroll down, good sir. Thank you. It's an exciting time to be alive. We get to be together and learn this. They ask him, what does it mean? And he says, this is what it means. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Right there, I love Jesus. He rebukes them for not trying hard enough. They go, Jesus, we don't get it. And it doesn't seem like they put much application to it. And so he goes, man, how are you missing this? I made this one easy for you guys. If you can't get this one, you definitely won't get the rest of them. But I thank God that he's patient with us. How many are glad Jesus is patient? And he teaches them now. The farmer sows the what? The word. Now in the parable, everything where we see, every time when we see the seed being sown, what is being sown? The word. Somebody say the word. So the seed is the what? The word. The word of God. The word of God spoken to men of God. Sometimes people say, well, I don't read the Bible. That's a book written by men. And then what do I say to them? What are books supposed to be written by? <laughs> what are they supposed to be written by? Ants? What are, who's supposed to be the author of books on our planet? Aliens? Did you want an angel to come and write the book that you're going to read? Well, it's written by men. We can't trust it. Do you trust a math book? Do you, do you trust other things that are true? So here's the thing. You don't discount a book because it's written by men. You study a book written by men to see if it's true or false. It's very simple. Men of God spake as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Test them and see whether or not God was speaking to them or whether or not they just ate some pizza and had a bad nightmare or a dream or something. I believe God spoke to them. How many believe God spoke to them? Here's one of the keys that you can use as a defense for the Old Testament because in the Old Testament times, they didn't have the record keeping that we do now. And as a matter of fact, the more we study archaeology, the more it proves the Bible, but it's going to be very difficult to know whether or not Abraham existed because he didn't have an Instagram. He didn't have a, a humongous kingdom. He didn't bury his knowledge in a time capsule. He was just an average man of that time, and he lived, and his descendants kept his records. How do we know Abraham lived? How do we know David killed Goliath? It's not like somebody, like I said, tweeted it that day. Oh, snap, look at this. And they make a gif of, you know, David's slingshot going back and forth. And then like, you know, Goliath's head, you know, they make this gif. Oh, snap, David just killed Goliath. And then now that's on a server, the young people are laughing a little bit. The rest of the old people are like, Pastor, you're trying too hard. It's, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Give me a break, okay? It's a tough crowd this morning. Work with me. Work with me, people. Work with me. But at least we're having church. Amen? At least I'm not in my bedroom giving you an online sermon. Amen? You're here today. Praise God. I'm not bunkered down. Praise the Lord. Neither are you. So it's good to be in church. 
So going back to this understanding, well, how would you really know Abraham was alive? How would you really know those specific details? Like I said, the more we do in archaeology, the more we're finding of the truth surrounding those stories. In other words, we're learning about a Davidic kingdom existing around the right time. That's a big deal because, once again, Israel was a very small nation, and they kept getting destroyed all the time, along with their records getting burned down. So it's very hard to find a lot from those areas. But we are finding remnants of a Davidic kingdom. We're finding out that the time Abraham lived, it looks like the Egyptian king wasn't necessarily a pharaoh of a world empire. He was more like a tribal king. And that's how uh, it looks like Abraham's interacting with him, etc. Because you wouldn't just travel through Egypt and get to meet the pharaoh. But Abraham meets the king of Egypt around that time. And it seems like it's an upcoming nation where the king has some time to hang out with visitors. So once again, the question is now, how do I know Abraham was really there? How do I know that some of these details happened? I think big stories like Noah's Ark is a little bit easier to prove because we can show floods and all of that. But how do we know the word of the Lord is tested in the Old Testament and found to be true? This is where I start. I start with Jesus. Because I can show which I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did live, Jesus was crucified, and Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, I believe that is as much of a historical fact as there was a Caesar of Rome around that time. Are you listening to me? And that one who rose from the dead, that one who did something that no one else had ever done, verified to us the truthfulness of those past testimonies. He said to us that Abraham was a real person, that Moses was a real person. He verified the history of the Israelite people. Now, some people might say he was capitulating to his time. Even if he is the son of God, he was just using their characters as if I was to use the characters of of the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings to make a point to you. So yes, Jesus was the son of God. He died, buried, and rose again. But he only talked about those characters because he knew they believed in them and he capitulated to their low level of understanding and wanted it to be something they thought was true. Do you think Jesus would do that to people? Do you think Jesus would pretend to believe in something just to communicate a message if he really was the Son of God? Now remember, my hard and fast true fact that I start with is that Jesus did all of those things that that show he is the Son of God. And so I have to listen and pay attention to him. And there are liberal scholars who go, yep, he, he did that. We agree. But we still believe the rest of this is all myth, no different than the myths that came around before that time or around that time. But we say, why would Jesus... Speak to a culture so much about truth, so much about honesty, so much about obedience to God, and then use mythological creatures, or people rather. No, we believe that Jesus' testimony is true about Abraham, that Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had the sons of Israel that became the tribal leaders, that through that time they sojourned in the wilderness, God showed up by fire, by night, cloud by day. How many believe those stories? You believe them, why? Because Jesus believed them. Ultimately, let's just be honest, we're all here because of Jesus, aren't we? You're not in a synagogue because of Moses. You're in a church as a Christ follower, Christian, because of Christ, amen? And I believe Christ wasn't telling fairy tales, even if they had a good moral of the story. And so the Bible is teaching us that we should trust the Word of God, that we should hold to the Word of God, and consider the Word of God as a seed. Somebody say, the Word is the seed. 
Amen. So some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. When you hear the word of God and you do not apply the faith of God to it, the seed, the word, dies in your heart. That doesn't make it less true. You could say, I don't believe in gravity. Does that make gravity not true? You could say, I don't believe Abraham Lincoln existed. Does that mean it's not true? How many know we could put an equation up here of somebody that's in engineering or in math or in science, and how many know it could be true even though none of us would understand it? The Word of God is true even if people's hearts are hearts. That's the first lesson. The second one is that the seed is those sown on the, uh, is a seed sown on rocky places. They hear the Word at once, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the Word, they what? They quickly fall away. Stay right here for me, brother. Stay right here. Thank you. Thank you. A little bit. There we go. Somebody say they quickly fall away. Have you ever seen somebody quickly fall away from God? Have you? I have. Does that mean they weren't saved? This is where people get into debates about once saved, always saved. Is that true, Pastor? Not according to Jesus. See, the seed that was on the rocky heart never had a growth spurt, did it? It never took root. We know that person was at first unsaved, and as the seed came, they remained unsaved. How many believe? That's what it's teaching us there. But here, don't they receive it? It says these are the people along the path where the word is sown, where they hear it, or excuse me, of, of verse here, uh, 17, since they have no root, look at it here, they hear the word, rather of verse 16, they hear the word, and at once What? Receive it. Every place you see the phrase, receive it according to the word, is salvation. Trust me. If you don't, go through the scriptures. Remember in the book of Acts, when, they, when Paul would preach, what does it say? And they receive the word of God gladly. What does that mean? They receive the word of God gladly. What does that mean in the book of Acts? They got saved. It doesn't have to say they got saved, spoken tongues every single time, does it? When, when, it, when, it, when he's preaching the gospel and there's a group of people who receive the word of God, what does that mean? They got saved. What does it mean when a seed begins to grow? That means it has life. And so sometimes people say, well, how can the eternal life of God die? The eternal life of God never dies, but you can die in your reception of it, in your interaction with it. In other words, you can reject the Word of God, but the Word of God is still alive. You can reject eternal life, even though eternal life is still alive. So it can come in you, and it can come out of you. You can come in it, and you can come out of it is another way of looking at it. And so the Bible says there are people who will receive it, but once persecution comes, they walk away from it. There is a group of people today in the Christian faith that are truly saved. Everybody look up at me, please. Your friends may fall into this, my family, and they're truly saved. But as persecution gets worse, as trouble gets worse, they're going to quickly fall away. People's hearts will be hard in this culture, and we have to keep preaching the word of God. At the same time, there are people that we know, and you may even be sitting next to someone right now, that if they do not guard their heart during the trouble and persecution that lies ahead, they will fall away. Does that mean they were never saved? 
No, it just means that during the time of persecution, instead of letting the word of God go deeper, draw them closer to Christ, they become scared. They take their life into their own hands and they walk away from Jesus. That is a dangerous place to be. I see this in a steps, in a matter of steps for a lot of people. And I want to say this with grace. Everybody look up at me, please. As a pastor, I warn people during this time, be careful of what you're falling away from. Because at first you may say, well, I'm just leaving the church. I'm just leaving a life group. I'm just leaving this. And, and, and I'm still saved. I just don't feel comfortable coming here. And that may be very true, right? Because they say, I don't feel comfortable. And that's true. They don't feel comfortable. They should get comfortable, but they don't. But if it's not God leading them, they're one step closer to truly falling away. You might say, well, pastor, are you trying to say everybody who leaves your church is going to hell? Absolutely not. That's not my point. But is a path to hell with the, is there a path to hell where the first step is leaving a church? Yes or no? I'm asking you as a serious question. I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and I'm asking you a question. Is a step to hell to get people out of their church, a church where they're accountable? Yes. Now, they may find another church, and they may keep growing, but the devil marks down, I believe, on his ledger with the demons and goes, hmm, I noticed something here. We sent some persecution. They left a church. Okay, demons, back off a little bit. Let them get comfortable, and then send them something else, and let's see if now they'll leave that church. And so oftentimes when I watch people backslide, when I watch married couples have affairs, when I watch pastors go back to drugs, I just heard about that two weeks ago, over 20-year pastor, free from drugs, actually worked in a drug rehab, now in a drug rehab. When you hear these stories, what is the beginning part of the story? The beginning part of the story is, I was doing this, I got offended, I felt uncomfortable, trouble came, or persecution came, and I moved away to here. And the devil says, great, I got you to move one inch, now I'm going to get you to move two inches, now I'm going to get you to move five inches, now I'm going to get you to move a foot. Does everybody get that? Be careful what you walk away from in times of persecution or trouble. Be careful what you walk away from, everybody hear me today, in persecution or trouble. You may be thinking, I'm just finding the most comfortable place for me and my family. I'm just trying to make the best kind of decisions. And at the end of the day, you may not know what the devil has planned is to lead you further and further and further away from the truth. Do you think those who have an affair right now, who are having an affair that used to come to a church like this, do you think they started off leaving a church like this going and now I'm and saying to themselves, and now I'm going to go have an affair? No, because what did they say? I just don't belong in this church. I don't belong in Christianity, this version of it. I belong in a different version. And so I'm going to walk away from this during the trouble of accountability, during the trouble of the pastor getting on my nerves, during the trouble of whatever. And then now they go, hey, I can find this other church. You know what? That looks good to the outside, but the devil goes, win. Because the devil doesn't mind you going to a church as long as he got you out of the church you were supposed to be in. Because the church you were supposed to be in provided accountability, now you don't have that. The church you were supposed to be in provided you certain teaching, and now you don't have that. I'm not saying you can't come from one church to another. We have people doing that all the time. Please hear me carefully. I'm talking about leaving a church during trouble or persecution, and something is not right in the heart. 
It's not that you're leaving to go pursue more accountability. Like literally, I have never had anybody ever leave this church and go, I'm going because I need more accountability. I need to be on the streets more. Metro praise you slacking. I need to hear more preaching about this, the, the gospel and the issues of our culture. I need more of that. No, it's always what? It's always there's a little trouble in my family. There's a little persecution, and I know a way out. Hit eject. And there's a cor- church on this corner and a church on this corner. And that's right. A hundred other churches will receive you from Metro Praise, give you a therapy dog and a $15 gift certificate to their cafe just because you went here. I understand that. But that may not be what you need right now. Because I can just imagine when the pastors meet somebody from Metro Praise International, well, first, they're not even meeting you right now in person. They're going to meet you online. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear you that, you that you used to go to Metro Praise International. We have an on-staff counselor for crisis times like these that is for you. We've heard about you guys on the news and through all the things you're going through. If you need a therapy dog named Ralph, we'll send him over to your house now, and you will begin to have a therapy session with Ralph and with our counselor. And by the way, we're giving you a virtual card to our cafe and a $15 discount to our next online conference. Okay. Seriously, but you better be careful during this time because it's not even just our church. I see other churches that are facing times of falling away, and we got to guard ourselves during this time. Don't get discouraged. Don't let discouragement take you away. Let's go to the last two here, please. Still others like seed, thank you, my brother, are, are like the seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wells, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Would you highlight verse 19 for me, please? A little more teaching today, but I hope you're getting something out of it. Somebody say, teach the word. Say, teach it, teacher. Amen. By God's grace, we will. Notice the three we's that come into the person's life. Jesus highlighted these, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. What is that like in your life? Because now it gets real. Because you might say, Pastor, I'm here for Jesus, ride or die. I'm ready to meet him. You know, this is the way it's going to be. I'm ready to serve him, to be a disciple. And you put your guard up against the sun coming out and scorching your life. And that is well done. And that is, and that is good. And we all need to be there. But these things right here are a little bit more sneaky, aren't they? How many have had weeds in your garden before or weeds in your front yard or weeds, you know, somewhere where you look at stuff? How many have seen weeds before? They're sneaky, aren't they? Those things are sneaky. You walk, see, by my, you know, at my house, I got the little mulch thing, and I walk up, and I look out there every day. And I'll just see this little thing coming up that I know doesn't belong there. And I just say to myself, that's nothing. Because you know what I got to do to get that thing? I got to bend down. It's not always easy bending down. You know what I'm saying? At 43, almost 44, you got to bend down. And I'm serious. This is not me being funny. This is what I would have to do. You got to bend down. I can barely stretch. Oh, pick that thing. And then how many know when it's small, you don't get it all? And then you're like, oh, my goodness, I got to get down on a knee now. And then you go in here, and then now you got this little thing, and then you throw it, and your fingers are dirty. And this is what I tell myself. I'm just being real. When I walk by, I go, nope, not worth it. Not worth it. I'm not getting down playing with that thing because I've done this thing a 100 times. I have done this a 100 times. It's not worth it. And then what happens? You come by a couple days later. 
Well, that's something. It's got a little flower growing out of it now. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I see this other one growing up next to it. I'm going to pick them when I cut my grass. There's enough there now, and I got a little board, a little mat rather, that I'll kneel down on. How many have seen those kinds of things? And I'll get in the garden. I got a little tool that goes down, and I do this thing. And I go, okay, I get it now. There's, there's enough going on here. I'm going to do it when I cut the grass. A couple weeks later when I'm cutting the grass, I pretend I don't see them. I'm just going to pretend I don't see these weeds right now. I don't see them. And then all of a sudden, I'll just take a glance at them. And I'll be like, oh, man, you know, my wife wanted to do something today. The kids are already ready. I don't have time to pick this thing right now. I'm going to do it next time. And then you come to my house literally right now because it's still left there. You come to my house, you see one big old weed there, three or four other weeds, and then now what have I said to myself? When I rake the leaves, I'm going to do this. The leaves have done blown off my yard. My neighbors are upset because they keep meticulous yards. They've already raked up my leaves. There's like a few leaves left, and now I'm thinking, winter will kill them jokers. If it's still there, everybody's looking at you like lost all respect for me and my discipline of yard keeping. I'm saying to myself, now, you know what? Winter's coming. The snow will cover it. Those things will die. Spring, I'm taking care of them. Is that not the way most of us are? Now, some of you might be, no, I'm meticulous. But seriously, the nature of a human probably isn't too far off from where I'm at, right? You know what? I'm worrying a little bit, but a little bit of worry doesn't hurt anybody. Just a little bit of worry. All of a sudden, that worry grows. Well, I'll do something about that. You know what? I'm going to take some time out and pray about that situation. Not today. I'm too busy. But I recognize my worry's getting a little bit out of hand. I'm going to pray about that. Worry keeps growing. And then what do we do? You know what? In Bible study, life group, accountability, I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to talk about it with my friend. We're going to pull them up together. And everything's going to be fine. I'm going to stop worrying about this situation. Then the one-on-one time comes or the life group comes, and you know what? I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to get deep right now. I don't want to take everybody and have them think about me right now. You know what? It's not worth it. And then what happens? Three, six months later, worry staring you in the face. Same thing with the desire of wealth. You know what? I just, you know, I'm going to start working these extra hours. It's okay if I have to sacrifice some of these things. After all, it's a tough time. I should be happy I have a job, you know. And I'll, and I'll make time to read my Bible. I'll make time to pray. I'll make time to go to Bible study. Oh, but you know what? A few weeks later, boss says, I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. You're the one that I, I got, man. I'm counting on you now. And then before you know it, no time to pray. No time to spend with your brothers and sisters. And the love of money, though it came from a, 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 you know, having money came from a good place. Now it's turning into the love of money. And now you're staring at this large weed. And this last one, talking about just wanting other things. Man, I just, you know, I want to get married, Pastor. I want to get married. Come on, somebody. Let's talk about it. My boyfriend or girlfriend's not that bad. I just see a little thing in their life that I can deal with. Come on, somebody. You're settling with the wrong one, and then that weed boop, 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 starts getting bigger, get into a fight, they cuss you out, and you're like, well, everybody gets mad every now and then. I guess their tongue just is not sanctified yet, you know? And then you start finding out other things, and, but you're in too deep now. 
And before you know it, do you take this weed to be your lawfully do your law <laughs> do you take this weed to be your lawfully wedded wife or husband? I do. And then now that's what you got. And then you bring that weed to church. Fix them, pastor. Fix her, pastor. Well, that was a mess you caused. Why don't you and Jesus take care of it for a while? Now, we always got your back. We'll help you de-weed. But then you'll wonder why. Now you come into church by yourself, and we think you're single. And you're like, no, I've been married, pastor, for five years, and I knew better, but I'm still praying for him or her. What happens in our lives when we allow these weeds to grow is they take over slowly but surely, and then they choke it out once again. Is one saved always saved true? No. These people are saved. These people are we people at any time that we don't take care of the garden of our heart. With Jesus there to encourage us. The Bible says literally, the psalmist said it like this, Search me, O God, and see if there is any wicked way in me. Any weed in me, Jesus. And if there is, lead me in the way of everlasting. We should always be coming to the Lord saying, God, search my heart. Is this a concern or is this a worry? Is this diligence to my job or is this the love of money? Is this a God desire, a God relationship, a God thing? Or is this a weed taking the place of the fruitful life you have for me? And I want to encourage you to be the last one. Somebody say amen. amen. This is us. The other seed is that good soil. And what's the difference between the shallow soil and the weedy soil is the good soil keeps going deeper and keeps de-weeding the garden. That's the seed on good soil. They hear it, they accept it, and they produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. And you will look back on your life and you will say it was worth going deeper in times of trouble and persecution instead of running away. My wife said it like this, your maturity is always based on your current test. Woo, somebody better get that. My wife and I hope hopefully get some time to make a video for this, maybe even this month's devotions for us as leaders. But listen to this again. Your maturity is always as great as your current test. How does a pastor go to an affair? By not passing the current test. They were immature. How does a leader go from a leader to a follower? By not passing the current test. Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Your current test could be that weed that chokes you out. Your current test could be that shallow soil soaking up all of that good ground, leaving you only so much. So the next thing that comes is the final straw that breaks the camel's back. God is always faithful to give us a way out of our troubles and our trials. He's always faithful to forgive us and deliver us from evil. But we must guard our heart with Jesus. And so, Lord, my prayer is, let me pass each test I face in life. So that in every season, Psalm chapter 1, they bear their fruit in season. The leaf does not wither, talking about the blessed person, so that I can bear fruit in every season. Do you want to bear fruit in every season? It's COVID season, but I'm bearing fruit for Jesus. It's, it's a riot season, but I'm bearing fruit for Jesus. It is cold season. You know, it's holiday season. It's broke season for everybody on my job, but I'm still bearing fruit for Jesus. 
If this whole place turns into a famine and everybody goes broke, I'm going to learn how to do something that God can bless in this season. If Joseph could be blessed in prison, if Joseph could be blessed as a slave, if Joseph could be so blessed in famine that he's doubling his money because he saved up in prosperity, you and I can be blessed in whatever season we face. But we have to be faithful to hold on to that word. Amen. Vinny, would you come please in closing? Look at these few scriptures. Thank you, my brother. Here's how to look at it. Romans 10, 17. 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not hearing, faith is not coming. Somebody say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say if I'm hearing the word of God, faith is coming. Say, if I'm not hearing the word of God, faith is not coming. Do you want more faith? Do you want to increase in the word? Do you want to have multiple, as, or what they say in the stock industry, do you want to diversify your portfolio? Do you want multiple seeds and multiple gardens to grow? I want seeds of the fruit tree to grow. I want seeds of the vegetables to grow. Amen. I want to diversify. How? By hearing the word of God. I want to be fruitful in my family. So I'm going to continue to feed my family the Word of God. And I, as the leader, am going to feed on the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. I'm better, whether you believe me or not. Hopefully you do because you're here listening to me preach. I'm better at my spiritual life than I am at my gardening life. (laughs) Amen. I like to go to the gym. And every now and then I'll find a big dude. And I'll talk to him and get to know him. And I'll be like, you know what? I look like you, but spiritually, spiritually, I'm lifting weights all the time. Do you want to know how to lift spiritual weights? I'm serious. I've done that before, and they kind of laughed. They're like, (laughs) but you're still weak. No, I'm like, yeah, you're right. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. One is more important than the other. But we often don't treat it that way, do we? You know? The weed thing on my front lawn, that's not as important, but if I let weeds grow up in my job or your job, we wouldn't get paid. We wouldn't have resources. So I know some of you take that a lot more seriously than you do the walk with God because many of you this week didn't listen to the Word of God. You didn't read the Word of God. You didn't pray the Word of God. And you're not taking that seriously then. And you're going to reap what you sow, which are those weeds and those things in your garden. So I want to encourage you to make the number one discipline of your life, your spiritual life, and then out of that to grow in those other areas. Some of the ways that I want to encourage you during this time is the audio Bible. The audio Bible can be played just like any other type of music or podcast, and you can keep it on in your car. You can have it where you're going in your commutes. You can listen to the Word of God and encourage yourself during this time. Not only can you do it throughout, like, the passages going verse by verse, but there are now uh, apps that will give it to you according to category. That if you're scared and you're dealing with the fright of, you know, getting sick or what COVID is doing to someone in your family and you think you might get it, we're all going to die of COVID. Look up healing verses. And put those on in an audio format. Just listen to the word of God. By his stripes you were healed. He sent his word and he healed the disease. Diseases, all those who came to him were healed. And you just encourage yourself throughout the week. This is not the time. Everybody listen to me. This is not the time to get so busy. You're too busy for the word. This is the time where we go deeper into the word. 
This is not the time to go, well, I just need to Netflix and chill because I got too much on my mind. No, Bible and chill. Bible and chill, saints. Get into the Word of God like you never have before. Give yourself time in the Word. Soak it in and believe it. If audio Bible's not your thing, then try different translations of the Bible. Oftentimes you can buy paperbacks with two or three translations in them. And if you go to Amazon, it's very inexpensive. You can buy a used Bible multi-translation, as they call it, interlinear. You can get three to four or five translations in a Bible probably for $5. And if anyone can't afford it, let us know. We'll buy it for you. If anyone doesn't have a paperback Bible, of course we'll give one to you today. But you can get a Bible in multiple translations. And instead of just trying to get through the Bible like it's homework, just read a psalm. And go through every translation because each translator is trying to bring out something from that scripture. As a matter of fact, go uh, just put in Psalm 1 verse 1. Psalm 1 verse 1. And then when Bible Hub comes up, you can get in an app, Bible Hub. Click on the link, Bible Hub, and I'll show you what I mean. And then you can just enrich yourself. Because... You know, I could use this as an example for Thanksgiving, and you guys would probably get it. How many know when they cook for Thanksgiving, the ones who cook, cook hours, but we take minutes to eat? And we're like, oh, man, I can't believe how much I ate, and it's over already, you know? And that's how we look at the Word of God, and we shouldn't. We should take our time and muse on the Word of God. Thank you. Can you uh, make it a little bit bigger for us, please? This is an online app where you can see just Psalm verse 1. And when when you hit that arrow in just a moment down here, yeah, don't do it quite yet. You could just go to verse 2. So go ahead and scroll up a little bit. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Take the seat in the company of mockers. Now look at New Living Translation. All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. How many see it's adding and, and giving you multi-dimensional understanding of it? And then if you could just scroll back up, please, then you can just hit verse 2. And then now verse 2 just keeps walking you through. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. Not much of a difference there, but you get it. And you start to read the Word of God, hear the Word of God, read the Word of God. Also, I'd like to encourage you during this time that you're maybe working from home or taking your commutes to go back into sermon series. Would you go to our website, please, mpichurch.org? You'll see in our app setting, we have over 1,000 audio messages, and we have close to around 500 video messages that you can pick on the subject. Some people during the quarantine have told me they have already listened to all of Matthew verse by verse by verse. Many of you who are new to our church may not know that our steady diet is through the Word of God, verse by verse. But when these situations came upon us, I felt the Lord tell me to step away from that. And so I've been preaching topical every week, a different subject. But we are a church that is known by going verse through verse. Go to sermon videos and notes. If you go to the audio archives, which we don't have to do that now, you can find over a 1,000 just in audio. And it's also on a podcast format. Uh, Go ahead and zoom out of this for us, please, to how it would be a normal. There we go. Look at this. Uh, Go and scroll up. 41 sermons on the book of Matthew, and they've already listened to it during quarantine time. Let's give it up for, for Sister Janelle doing that. Look at the entire book of Romans. 
there, thus says the Lord, nine different prophetical books gone through verse by verse. Uh, Keep on scrolling down. The In Him series, 73 sermons on the book of Ephesians. Acts, uh, 28 sermons. Can you go back up, brother? We're looking at Acts. Thank you. Acts, 28 sermons on the book of Acts. How are you supposed to act? Like the book of Acts. Come on, somebody. Keep on going. Spiritual warfare. The kingdom of God. Chosen. Keep on going. Look at these. Look at these sermon series. Identity. All here for you. Discipleship. Over, I think, 200 sermons with videos. And if you want to see something like really fun right here, click on one of these here. The Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, click on that one. You can see Healthy Pastor. Look at right here. Go and click on it with the video. There's Healthy Pastor. There's Healthy Pastor. I wasn't fat. I was healthy. I was storing up for the coming apocalypse. I was doing two things wrong, lifting weights and eating a lot of food. I was doing both of those wrong. I was becoming somewhat like a power lifter, and I thought I was cool, but, man, that's what I used to look like. But you could go back. It's so funny when new people come to church, like, man, I was watching one of those sermon series, and you were, you were and I just say it, fat, fat. It's okay. I was fat. Yeah, God, God help me. First John went through the whole book of First John. Go back to the notes for us, please, in closing. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you've purified yourselves, how many are purified here? By obeying the word of truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply for, uh, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. That's by the word of God, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Come on, somebody. Give it up for the word of the Lord today. The word of the Lord will endure forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Can we stand up today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Would you thank the Lord for his word as I do right now? Father, we thank you for the word that you gave to us. You gave us your word. You made time to give it to prophets and to pass it down and to guard it and protect it, O God. May we live according to your word. May we receive your word. May we reproduce your word. If you're here today and you're not born again, receive the word that says whoever believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord and confesses with their mouth, they will be saved. If you're not saved, believe that word. Receive it and confess Jesus as the Lord of your life today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to make you a new creation. Those of us who are already saved, are there any weeds in your life? Look at your life right now. Maybe pray that prayer of David and say, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. Jesus, show us. Show us our hearts, oh God. We want to be fruitful. Make us fruitful, Lord. Remove the weeds that cause us to fall away in trouble or persecution. Remove, oh God, the weeds of worry, greed, and the desire of other things that you haven't planned for us to have at this time. As I'm beginning to close out this service, if you need prayer for any of those needs or for anything that you want us to pray for, you may come up at any time. But let's close out worshiping and then we'll dismiss. But those who need to pray, keep praying. Seek the Lord. Be fruitful in your life today.